Here we are now. Welcome back again to the Andrew Lake podcast. My name is Dosta. And today I'd like to talk about Osho active meditations. <laughs> Whoa, this is a big one. This is a real rich, juicy world. This is so rich, this subject. I'm so pleased to be able to bring this stuff to you, to talk about this. You better strap yourselves in, because this is going to be a real rocker of a ride to get this out, to talk about this. I'm so glad. I'm so happy. <laughs> I feel like this is, this is a very fun episode. Osho active meditations. There's so much to talk about. Where to begin? Have you heard about these? Now, let us back up. Now, Osho the man, Osho the person, the mystic, the rebel, the visionary, the rascal, the master, whatever, guru, any, any words you want to say. Basically, Osho, who is he? For the purposes of this conversation, the answer to that question is, who cares? We can talk about Osho another day. Today we're concerned with the meditations that he created. And we're coming at this with the mature and open-minded attitude of saying, how can I enrich my meditation practice? How can I expand my understanding of transformative practices and techniques? What more can I learn? What more can I add to enrich my inner world? What more can I find out about? So with this sense of innocent curiosity, we proceed into Osho, active meditations. Now, for the record also, I don't get any money for this. There's no plug. There's no affiliate marketing. I'm talking about this simply for my joys. So I'm not on Osho's payroll. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if anyone is. <laughs> but just thought I'd put that out there. Now, it says we, say, we, we call these active meditations. And even that in itself, I don't know, is... I think for a lot of people, not common knowledge that there's this broad distinction of active meditations and passive meditations. So if we take meditation as our giant subject field, we can then divide this into two, active and passive, and then within these two divisions, there's a whole range of different meditations. So an active meditation is where you are active. You're moving your physical body. It involves some sort of action. It involves some sort of activity. It's quite simply active. Now we can talk about the differences between doing and non-doing action and intention and autonomy 
and allowing action to happen. These are all distinctions that occur within active meditation. But as an entrance into the subject, we just want to take the bland normal reason, the, the, the normal like the, just the stock standard definition of active. So we don't want to have this, these spiritual nuances or these philosophical nuances that we come up to later. Passive meditation is anything where you're sitting still with your eyes closed and you're not moving. Now, there's a very large range of different things that you can do within that category. There's a whole lot of different instructions, and they all go at different parts of the parts of the being. Some of them might be for concentration. Some of them might be for body awareness. Some of them might be for expanding sensory perceptions or sensory abilities. Some of them might be to do with the mind. Some of them might be to do with psycho your psychology or your self-image, your self-esteem, your cognition, these sorts of things. So passive meditation is a, is a broad and rich subject in and of itself. But basically, if you're sitting still and the instructions are something to do with your internal world and you don't have to move, then it's a passive meditation. If you film someone doing passive meditation, you wouldn't be able to distinguish what kind of passive meditation they're doing. Whereas if you film someone with a camera doing an active meditation, then you would be able to distinguish. Now, active meditations also involve instructions for the inner world. They involve a subjective component. So they're all still, they're both still about the inner world. They're both still to do with the thing that only you know about, which is what it's like to be you. So that's why they're both meditation. Okay, so ac Osho Active Meditations. He was a guru and he had his commune, he had his ashram, and he developed these with groups of people and he refined them and he tweaked them and he did a whole bunch of things and a lot of the components of active meditations come from traditional meditations or transformative practices. And there are a few things that they all have. There's a few things, there's a few subcategories of things that come up again and again or that are used in many different ways. For example, a big one is dance. So many of the Osho active meditations have dance as a component of them. And they're all slightly different and they come up in different ways. And really, we could have an entire conversation just about dance and how it relates to Osho active meditations. Maybe we will have that conversation sometime soon. Another component is breathing. So many of them have specific breathing instructions, breathing patterns. Another component is how you move your body. 
It might be an instruction like, shake the body. And we'll get to that soon enough. We'll be able to describe where and when that's different at different times throughout these meditations. So it takes a bit of a while to get through them all and to see the commonalities and the similarities between the components. And, well, actually, another thing I'll add is that a big component of these active meditations is music. So in traditional meditation or passive meditation, you basically have this thing of start the meditation now and after an hour a, a, someone hits a bell or a gong goes off or someone does some chanting and that's the end and you have silence for an hour but in all these osho active meditations they have music accompanying them and the music is there to support you and it indicates what you do in each section and it's been designed it's been crafted by osho and his process of experimenting with his people in his commune in different groups in different ways to help you through so the way of knowing like the one question is how do you know when one section of the meditation is over and one begins because there's multiple components to these meditations well the music tells you so you follow the music basically what will happen is you go in to the meditation hall and They'll play the instruction video and then someone will put the music on and the sound will tell you and if there's enough people in the room you can see what's going on for you to really get involved and really be clear about it. Most people, basically everyone can follow the meditations. Everyone can understand the instructions easy enough. They're really simple instructions. It might be the first or second time you do it, you're a bit uh unsure and you have to look around and scratch your head and maybe ask someone afterwards but once you get the basic instructions you know what it is and you can go through it so it's not it's not complicated it's not like you're scratching your head or what was stage four what was stage five it's usually pretty obvious so the music component for different sections is a very big aspect of osho active meditations now i'll also add personally that i was able to i was fortunate enough to go to the osho international meditation resort to study and well not study but to participate and to practice all these meditations which we're talking about today so that's why I feel so, and I've got so much out of it. That's why I feel so juiced up and so excited to be bringing this to you. It's so much fun. And another thing I, I would like to add is that there's this man, Amrito. His name is Amrito. And he was Osho's personal physician for many years when Osho was still around or still in the body, as they say. <laughs> Basically, when Osho was alive, so he knew Osho personally. And he talks about these active meditations. And I've listened to him talk about these things and share how the different nuances and the depths there are to these. So a lot of what I'm sharing with you here comes from what Amrito has talked about to me, what he's said to me. 
So give credit where credit is due. Thank you very much, Amrito. It's been wonderful to hear you, and I've got so much insight from hearing you talk about these things, and I'm glad to be passing it on. And if you get the chance, not Amrito, I mean you. Now I'm talking to you, the listener. You, the listener, if you get the chance, go and listen to Amrito. If you ever get the chance to hear what he has to say about these, I highly recommend it. So I thought I would just point that there, pluck that there, and if you've already heard Amrito, you might be laughing and giggling a bit at me because you'll be saying, oh, that's just what Amrito says. I don't think it matters too much about who said what. I'm not going to be distinguishing. It's not like I'm trying to make footnotes and quotations here. And it doesn't really too matter where Amrito got it from either. The point is, focus on the meditations. We're not trying to be scholarly here. Just listen up and, and check this out. That's all the point we're trying to make here. Okay, moving on now. Probably the... Well, it is the most famous and the first... Osho active meditation that you learn if you start to learn these things or you take an interest in these things is dynamic meditation. Dynamic meditation is his most powerful or his most immediate, his most effective one. It's the one that if you're going to learn anything about Osho active meditations, you'll learn this one. And it really does cover a a broad range of the, the phenomenological experience. It cuts through so many different parts of your being in so many ways. So if you get the chance, I I really think everyone should do this. Everyone should do this at some point in their life. At least once in your life, try dynamic meditation. Now we're gonna go through it and I'll describe it to you. But if you do this just once, even if you do it once, one time only is enough for you to have an effect. Now, if you do it three days in a row, then something will definitely happen. You will feel things changing. If you do it for a week, you will be breaking patterns like you wouldn't believe. If you do it every day for a week. Now, if you do it for a month, And there's this famous quote that if you do this for a month, you will become a new person. It is actually possible with these techniques to completely change everything. And I think you'll see why. So how does dynamic meditation go? This meditation has five stages. And the instructions are simple. But I'll also share my story and some of my experiences of what it's like as we go along. But this meditation, dynamic meditation, has five stages. First stage, 10 minutes. Breathe out the nose. Without pattern, chaotically, without rhythm. Breathe as deep and as fast as you can. Now, this is to induce 
your emotional body. You use the respiratory system and the chaotic breathing to induce a catharsis, to bring up your emotions, to break your patterns. And you only breathe through the nose, so your mouth is closed, and you concentrate always on the exhalation. The body will take care of the inhalation. So it's a bit hard to to really imagine what this is like. And there's also an encouragement to to use your body to, to, to do this. So some people push their arms, they push their elbows, or they, they, nod their, they nod their heads. And of course, another part of this is that you have to blow your nose beforehand because if you're really going for it, there's going to be snot coming out. You want to have, that, you want to have those boogers cleared. Keep the booger pathways completely cleared before you do this because when you're breathing really fast, really hard, chaotically out the nose, you, you need to be able to give it your all. And the first stage, this first stage of 10 minutes breathing out the nose, it's really the foundation for the whole hour. If you get this right, they flow, each stage then flows on naturally. And you can do it much better if you put yourself fully into this first stage. Second stage, 10 minutes explode, let go of everything, scream, shout, jump, kick, cry, throw yourself around, just let everything out and throw out all of your emotions, go completely mad. Now this is so beautiful, this is so wonderful, for 10 minutes in your life, At least once you can go wild. You can let yourself go. Now, the other component of this meditation is that you remain a witness. You remain aware of what you're doing. So when you go mad, you consciously go mad. You're choosing to go into this. Which means, this is is brilliant. This is so good because this opens up the difference between your behavior and what's happening with your body and you. This is what's born. The thing that is seeing what's happening, the thing that is having the experience and how the body is moving within the experience. Now, when you do dynamic meditation in a big hall, with 300 people, or however many people, this is an amazing moment. There is nothing quite like the sound of 300 people going absolutely apeshit. They're losing it. And they're doing all sorts of things. They're screaming, they're pulling clothes, they're going, they're jumping around, they're on the floor, they're rolling, they're squirming. And the sound, the sound of just, it's just complete chaos. Now, you would think that it's a bit of an unsettling experience. It sounds a bit like hell. If you, if you heard that sound of this 10-minute catharsis in the second stage and you didn't know what was going on, <laughs> if someone was to walk into the room at that moment, you'd think there was a national emergency going on. You'd need to call a fire brigade. 
But because you're in this meditation and you know what's going on, then you become you, you know that things are under control and that things can in a sense be out of control at the same time as being in control. And everyone's respectful, so it's not that there are interactions. Well, you do this meditation blindfolded, so you're not meant to really look around the room. I mean, everyone at some point has has, has had to have a peek. I think everyone's had a peek in the second stage at some point that, of them doing it. I mean, <laughs> who could resist the temptation to see what's happening? <laughs> but really, you're meant to have your blindfold on, and it's a non-interactive meditation. So you're not going up to people and, and punching them or anything. You're staying in your own space, and everyone knows that. So everyone knows that they're safe. Everyone knows that they're... And there are also facilitators who are watching things going on and making sure everyone's being safe and keeping to themselves, these sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, it's this this second stage of release everything and just let it go out and and let your emotions run run wild and let them happen how they want. There's such a wide range of possibilities there. And if you do dynamic meditation on a regular basis, well, I mean, the first time you do this, it's like, well, what do I do? Do I, do I scream or do I do this or do what? And for me, when I first did it, I was very excited about it. I just, it, was, it was one of the things that really drew me to this meditation. It was this second stage where I just wanted to be weird. I just wanted to, to, to experiment with, with my body and expressions and things. But if you have no idea and you do it in a group, then you get some of an idea. And if you're doing it on a regular basis, you can start experimenting with things like anger. You can become really angry. Or laughter. You can say, I'm going to laugh this time. Or tears, crying. I'm going to really cry. Well, this time I'm going to really stomp and become an animal. And I'm going to inhibit an, a, a, an animal body and become really, really primal. So these sorts of things you can experiment with. And then also there's this thing of it's an uncontrolled explosion. And an explosion is an uncontrolled event. So one of the guys that was presenting or one of the facilitators who was presenting it he would say that you explode. So throw out any idea of what you think might work or what you might do and just let it happen out of control. Now, that doesn't mean you're not still a witness. It doesn't mean you don't still have your awareness. But it just means that there's an opportunity there to experiment and open things up and, and really go for it. Now, if you're doing it at home by yourself, you don't want to have the neighbors call on you. So, and, and I mean, the, the music is on in, in when, when you hear the music, it's very loud and it's this fast drum beat. So, and there's these big gong hits and things. So, the, the chaos of the music helps you to, helps support you to, go for it. But if you're doing it at home, it's not quite the same as doing it in a group. You can really let loose if you do it in a group. Now, the wonderful thing about this as an effect, as an after effect, let's say, for example, you've been doing dynamic meditation and you did anger in the second stage. 
And this was how you were, what was coming up. This is what you were expressing, what you were throwing out. Later in the day or in the week, what will happen is you will get angry at something or someone or in a situation and you'll notice, you'll say, hey, I've done this before. This is anger. And when I was doing it, I wasn't identifying with it. I was just observing it. And I was, in, I was with an awareness of it. So you'll be in this situation and you'll have the anger, but this time there will be something different. There will be something else. There will be what we might call an overstanding. So if we've got understanding and overstanding, overstanding is where you can step back and it's still happening, but you see with a, how it's happening within a larger context. And this is how your behaviors start to change. This is how your emotional expression starts to change. And this is how your awareness of your habits throughout the day, week and month, start to change and start to come into a higher awareness is by really doing this meditation and pushing these behaviors. So that's stage two. So far we've got stage one, breathing chaotically throughout the nose. Stage two, catharsis, emotional release, 10 minutes. Now the third stage, also 10 minutes, you jump. Raise your hands high over your head, jump up and down, shouting the mantra, who? Now this is a very important stage to get right after the catharsis. And that's because the case, the catharsis is chaotic and unstable. So this who jumping, this jumping up and down, bouncing on the feet, is for grounding. It's for bringing you back to your center. And the instructions go something like, jump up and down, landing on the flats of your feet, hammering deep into the sex center. Now this mantra, who, who, is sound. When you make that sound with your mouth, who, like this, there's a shape to the mouth and there's a place it comes from in the throat and also in the chest and in the gut. And when you do this sound and you do this mantra and you're jumping and you're really jumping, coming off the floor and you land on the flats of the feet, which means your, your heels touch, so you actually go down and push. So it's not bouncing on the toes. It's bouncing all the way down to the flats of the foot. Then that hit on the heel shakes the bones. It shakes deep into your core. And it, if you're really pushing down, it goes into the sex center, which is that point, that dot, right between your bum and your organ. Right between your sex organ and your bum, there's this little point there. And if you're really jumping and hammering down into that point, then the who, who will come from there. And if you, some people, you know, there's, there's always someone who wants to demonstrate this, which is how you really do the who. Like there's this, there's this sort of this culture of, oh, if they really know how to do the who jumping or do they not? You know, like this. So there's a bit of a, 
you know, a spiritual practice pride or one-upmanship sort of going on there. Look, look out for that. But if you're really getting into it, it's this well, I'm sitting down now, so I can't really do it. But you get the idea. If you experiment with it, then, then, you, then you'll find it. And, and finding that, finding that point of the sex center and where the energy is coming from is a key component to this meditation. Now, the downwards push has a significance because when you push down and you're sinking into the sex center and you're becoming more and more grounded, you become more and more heavy. And then the other thing about the feet is that there's a lagoon point or an energy point which opens energy. So when you're pushing down and you're jumping and you're doing this meditation and your hands are raised high over your head, there's a point where there's a click and energy turns around and then starts to go up. And at that point, you're bouncing upwards, not downwards. But to get to the upwards, you need to push downwards into your sex center. After that, you're reaching upwards. And some people have said that this jump up is meant to be like, I'm reaching for enlightenment. How, enlight how badly you want to be enlightened and that energy of I really want it, give it to me, I'm giving it my all, that's meant to be driving this upward jump. When you find that point, when you hit that point, your whole relationship to energy changes. And this is one of the grand insights of dynamic meditation, which is how energy flows within you. Where do you get your energy? And I don't mean energy in the, the spooky, new-aged, washy-wishy, some mystical thing. I mean energy like physically doing it. And I'm, and I'm guessing at this stage, you know, so far we've had 10 minutes of nose breathing, 10 minutes of catharsis, and 10 minutes of jumping up and down on who and saying who, this who mantra. All of that in and of itself is very physical. You might be saying, how is it possible? I can't even keep my hands over my head staying still for three minutes, let alone while jumping. And well, that's the trip. That's the entrance. That's the... That's the game of dynamic meditation is changing your relationship to your ability with your body, your ability with your energy. And if you're saying to yourself, really, like if you say to yourself, I'm going to do it no matter what, and I'm going to 100% fully commit to it, and it doesn't matter how I feel about it, I'm going to do this meditation, then you'll be able to do it. You'll find that it's possible. And maybe it will be the case that you even overdo it. And a lot of the inefficiencies and the things that are causing you pain will come up. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, it is possible to sort of go in and just sort of do it and just try it. Now, some people would say, if you're going to do that, why bother? You may as well stay at home. If you're not going to follow the instructions, why waste your time? 
And there's 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 a point to that. There is a point to that. If you're not going to try, why bother? That that is true. But also there's this thing of if you just go there and you're you're trying and you're failing and you're not doing it properly, then contending with that and this thing of getting it right will be a process for you in and of itself and it will tell you something about how how you learn and how you build up to it. And it might be that you need to have a certain amount of fitness and you need a certain amount of balance and ability to to in order to do it properly and that that will come. So it is it's not to say, oh, if you can't do it right the first go, just give up. Because it might be that it takes some time. It took me ages. It took me ages to be able to do it. It took me a really long time. And I was starting and stopping for months, for days, a few days on, a few days off. And we can talk more about the, the, the long-term process in a second. But let's keep going through the stages. So stage four let's just let's just build it up again we've got 10 minutes chaotic breathing 10 minutes catharsis 10 minutes jumping up and down with your hands raised over your head shouting the mantra who your body your emotional system your respiratory system it's all your sex system your sexual energy all of it has been pulverized it's going at a million miles an hour. It's a steam train in top gear. And then we get to stage four. Stop. Do not move. In whatever position you find yourself, you stay there still as a statue. Silence. This stage is 15 minutes. And if you really go for it in the first three stages, then something magical happens in the fourth stage. Your sexual energy, your flowing energy, and your mind, it all comes to a climax. And the instructions say, don't move, don't cough, don't scratch your nose. Any movement at all, and the effort will be lost. You stay there, and no matter what, you do not move. And it really is a good way to break into this thing of no thought. If you don't know what it's like to not have thoughts, try this meditation. Because your mind will be doing all sorts of things... In these first three stages, it has no idea how to keep up with this, no idea what to do, and then you simply stop on the fourth stage, and it gives up. And then there's also the thing of, well, can you really hold your arms over, over your head? Now, when it comes to, it, it's like <laughs> holding your hands, your arms over your head when it comes to that, the world is to divided into two types of people. The people that know about energy 
and the people that don't. <laughs> if you're if you're standing there with your hands over your head and you're trying to hold them there with muscle, it will be torture for you. It will be near impossible unless you have massive muscles. I mean, you can build muscle by doing that. But the strength required to do that perfectly still for 15 minutes, it's quite quite surprising. But if you're using energy and you're relaxing and allowing the shape to be there, then it's quite easy for you to stand with your hands over your head. It can be easy. It can even be a releasing of tension. Now, if you do Tai Chi or Qigong or any of these body forms and you learn about these shapes, then you understand exactly what this fourth stage is like. Stillness, shape of the body. The physical body is a statue, but inside everything is flowing. And at the same time, you've got this witness, which is perfectly calm and at peace. Fifth stage, 15 minutes. Celebrate. Dance and move your body in any which way you feel. Now, music comes on, it's soft music, and then it builds into more of a dance sort of sort of thing and it's it's a very nice song it's very nice and very cheerful and it's the celebration of the energy and it's the integrating of all that's happened all the flowing and all the the parts they all come together into this natural dance now how you dance in that last section it's really it it's it opens up so much because for one thing you're dancing by yourself with your blindfold on. So you can you don't have to worry about how other people are looking at you or anything like that, which is what, what you normally do when you dance. But then you've also got these other stages beforehand. You've got these other processes beforehand, these steps which are all parts of different systems. You've got, like I was saying, you've got respiratory system, emotional center, sex center, and then your silence, and then you're coming all together with the dance. So it's a very different, it'll be a very different kind of dance to what you normally do. It will put you into new openings. It will be opening your body and your personal experience, your subjective experience to new things. So that's basically the stages of dynamic meditation. And it's usually, well, the, the, the official thing is that you do it first thing in the morning. So it's 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. if you're doing it at an ashram or a commune or a resort. So heavy stuff, really heavy for your body all of a sudden to be put through this, this crazy up and down, chops and changes, stops and starts all over the place. And if you get it, if you really go through it, then your the, the quality of your whole day is going to be different. The, the spring in your step, the lightness of your movements, they, they have this celebrate, celebration sort of quality. Like the, the thing of the dance celebration at the end, it's, 
it it's meant to for me it, it merges into the the way i walk out of the meditation and the line is blurred between that dance and how i go about the rest of my day so and the instructions even say carry your aliveness with you throughout the day so starting the day with dynamic meditation it can and and doing the energy transformations really understanding the changes in energy it can give you energy for your whole day it can give you it can give you pardon me it can give you this upness this this uh this flowingness you feel so energized from it so it might be that you're thinking oh after this meditation i would be exhausted i would need to rest but in and well as you go through it if if you do it for some time then then that's part of the learning like learning the capabilities and the abilities of how your body works is part of it but really if you're doing it right and you're doing it regularly then it's giving you energy and that's the difference that's how you know you get the difference does something take energy or does it give energy and dynamic meditation gives energy So the longest I did dynamic meditation for was 45 days in a row. And I'd been spending a few months of doing dynamic meditation on and off. And I'd do, you know, maybe seven days, 10 days or so, or a couple of days on, on and off. And and I said to myself, okay, this time I'm really going to go for it. I'm going to say a full 45 days no matter what and every single day no matter what i did it and i'd already done a lot of the work beforehand so evening out these patterns of my subjective experience and the resistances was a lot easier but it still showed me how that happens now the resistance is the resistance goes something like this. Say you do dynamic meditation the first day and you think, wow, that was great. I love this. Then you do it the second day and then you think, wow, this is great. I can do it. And then you do it the third day and then you crash and you say, oh, I'm giving it too much. It's too physical. It's too hard. You get to the fourth day and you say, I need a day off. I need to rest. Now, pushing through that and you say, no, I am going to go on the fourth day. And then you go and then it's terrible and you can't really do it properly. You do a half-assed attempt. You're really bad at it. And you have no energy to give it. And then the fifth day, the sixth day, another thing might happen. And then the seventh day, you say, well, actually, I don't feel so bad now. I can give it my all. And then you give it your all and you really go for it. This sort of back and forth of how much you can give it or how much you can put into it, flattening that out is part of the trip. It's part of the trick. Now, to really break a habit, it takes at least 21 days. So, and I, and I saw this in the, in, in when I did it for 45 days. When you do it for longer, like four weeks, five weeks, then you have things where you say, okay, I can do it but I'm doing patterns. 
I'm still doing, I'm, I might be doing the same thing in this section. I'm doing the same breathing pattern or I'm not breaking things up. So you really have to search and dig deeper and deeper and push into different things and explore, sincerely explore all the different avenues of your inner being to really keep it going. So there was one man there at the resort who'd been doing it every day for three years. And I couldn't believe it. And he was an older man. And there's something in the humility or the the humbleness of being like, well, you know, this guy can do it. What's wrong with you? Why can't you do it? It's just your mind that's telling you you can't do it when really you can. You're a lot more fit and you're a lot more strong than this person. And somehow he can do it. Now, now there's, of course, there's funny things with that, which is, you know, the opposite of that is, well, everyone does have their capabilities. Maybe you can't do it. So, but, but that's part of the trip. That's part of, to be in a group, to have people around who are, quite frankly, just better at meditation than you, and in this case, they're better at Osho active meditations, more experienced, then they, they bring you along. They suck you up to their level. They draw you towards them. So it's one thing to do meditation in your room by yourself and contend with your own limitations and, and these sorts of things which are isolated. But to go to a community and to have yourself contrasted to them and to be walking around, you know, to walk out of the meditation hall and to see the spring in everyone's steps, to see the sparkle in their eyes, the openness in their face, then it's like, wow, this is, this is my turn. I need to step up. I need to really get what it is that, that I'm obviously not getting. It's obvious that it works. When you do it in a group, then it, it becomes clear to you that it's not the meditation, it's you. It's up to you to get it right. So that's a little bit of my experience. And then the other thing about the who jumping, which I'll add, was I, I did this phase where the... I did who jumping in for 20 minutes during another meditation. So it had a 20 minute section and in that it has a dancing option and I decided to do who jumping. So I was doing 10 minutes who jumping in the mo- in the morning and then 20 minutes in the evening. Now if you want to be able to do 10 minutes of who jumping with your arms raised over your head that one and you find it too hard, well, a way to make 10 minutes easy is to do it for 20 minutes. And the thing about sexual energy is when you're bouncing into it, you're awakening it. So it can make you really, really horny. It can make you really sexually active. And so <laughs> there, was this, there was this couple of days there where I was doing dynamic meditation and this evening who jumping so it was half an hour a day of jumping and and on the fourth day the fourth night i couldn't sleep at all because i had a massive 
machinery active, very active machinery. And I had, a, I just had this massive hard on for, for six hours straight. And I was just like, wow, this is driving me crazy. So beware that when you awaken your energy, you'll be surprised at how much there is. And it might be even that there's an abundance to it. So, and then also the, this difference between sexual energy and just say worker energy or energy of moving your body, that's learning that is different. It, that, learning that of, is part of the process. So awakening your sexual energy is the same as awakening your live, aliveness. And if you have nowhere to direct your sexual energy, then it might be that you need active, you need lots of actions, you need to have a lot of work. You need to be doing something. So I definitely wouldn't recommend just doing who jumping by yourself and then going off to a whole bunch of passive meditation. Maybe that will drive you crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's all, everyone's different and we're all up for different experiments. But I just thought I'd share that this, this, this massive amount of energy is there. And when you first open it up, it can be very abundant. So this is a bit of a tangent, but while we're talking about sex, if you're doing, if you've got a partner, a sexual partner, and you're doing these meditations, then things really open up big for you. And it really shifts your sexuality. It changes your sex life amazingly. So you don't need to have a sexual partner. It's not that they're going to it's going to make you want well the, the the sex tangent is something we can probably thread through all the meditations and and we'll come back to it but let's just keep in mind that there's there's this thing of doing working on these meditations while you have a sexual partner and the difference there between that and just working on them by yourself as someone who's celibate so that's dynamic meditation and that's the main meditation. That's the first one you learn about. And I think everyone at some point in their life should try it at least a couple of times because there's so much to get out of it. And the, the experience, the feeling, your, se your sense of what it's like to be you is what changes. It really gets deep. It's really hard to overemphasize how deep it is and how much can open up for you. So that's dynamic meditation. The next meditation I'd like to talk about is the Kundalini meditation. This is typically done at around four o'clock in the afternoon. And the idea here is that you do it after work to help settle you down, to help shake off the day, to smooth out all the things that happened throughout the day. This meditation has four stages. They're 15 minutes each. In the first stage, you shake. 
Now the shaking, you stand and you shake, you, the, the instructions are to allow the shaking. And this is meant to get at the non-doing action. You are letting the action happen. And to do this, what you do, you basically start, as it were, at the sex center. So this point down between your bum and your organ, you shake it. And you can just give it a little bit of a shaking to start. But what will happen is if your body is relaxed and you're open to it, then this strange thing will occur where you start to shake without doing it. Your body will be doing the shaking. Something else will be doing the shaking. Now, kundalini energy, there's a lot of talk about kundalini in all sorts of spiritual fields and meditative practices. There are kundalini meditations and there are kundalini awakenings and there is kundalini yoga. So there's a lot of different ideas about and different approaches to it. But in essence, what's happening here in this kundalini meditation is the sex center or the sexual energy is being transferred into an automatic energy, into an automatic doing. And it's this flow that occurs from the base, from your bottom, up your spine. And a kundalini awakening or a kundalini enlightenment experience is meant to be that moment when your sexual energy, your base, gets shake, sh shook up, shaken up so much and it goes upwards, upwards and rises up into your head, up into your crown chakra. If you want to use the chakras terminology. So that's what's happening with this first stage. Now, it can be that you just awaken. Now, if you're a guy and you're flopping around a bit, you might get a little bit excited. And it might be the case that you're doing that and you're not really allowing yourself to shake. So the pelvic, the pelvic thrust, well, it's something you experiment with. So the, the sexual pelvic thrust is something that, and, and the opening of the hip joints is something that goes with this meditation. It's a part of the changing and the transitioning of how it feels to be you in this meditation. So... Uh, the 15-minute the shake in kundalini awakening or kundalini osho meditation is, is some people might enjoy it. <laughs> some people might enjoy it a little bit too much. Which, and if that's happening, then you're doing it right. If that's how it's happening, then, then it's working. And these are all just things to experiment with. They're just to, to look out for. It's not like... You know, these instructions of just shake, they're very simple. And the things I'm pointing out here, they're just things that I've got from it. It's just ways that I've been experimenting with it. So it's not like if you don't feel sexy when you do it, you're doing it wrong. It's not like that at all. Some people might not get that impression from it. But this this thing of shaking and shaking off the day and letting your your body move without you doing it, that's a non-doing thing that, that's a really precious lesson. It's a really precious, precious meditation. 
Now, in the second stage of Kundalini, you have 15 minutes of dancing. And the music is different to dynamic meditation. So it's 15 minutes of dancing. So you shake and then you dance. Stage four, you have 15 minutes of sitting. So you've gone from shaking to dancing to sitting. And the sit still has music on it. So you're sitting and you're listening, but you're allowing yourself to calm down a bit. You're allowing the energy to dissipate. And of course, the dance has a different flavor to it because of the shaking. And also the sitting has a different flavor to it because of the first two stages. So this 15-minute sit with the music is not like a Vipassana strong determined sitting or anything or any passive sort of uh, any passive meditation it's it's got a different quality to it there are different things moving within you and then the last stage is 15 minutes lie down so that's to bring you back to your grounding to bring you back to your peace your silence your stillness And there's no music in that stage, so it is silent. So the arc of kundalini meditation is to open up the energy and then bring them out and then to come back down. Now, these two meditations of dynamic meditation and kundalini meditation, they were invented in one sense to prepare you for the passive meditations. And one way Amrito talked about it was that if the Buddha came back today and he saw the world that we were in, he would invent something different to Vipassana. This is not Buddhist meditation. Because Buddhist meditation or traditional meditations were invented in a very different world. Now we have different attention spans, different bodily gratifications, different cultural conditionings, different emotional profiles. And we need something that's going to break in big time to our personal subjective experience. Now normally if you take a modern person and you just put them straight into a passive meditation, they can't do it. Their mind goes mad. Their intention span spazzes out. It's all over the place. It's hell. It's this crazy internal experience. There's stress. There's all these addictions, all these su- not, even, not even hard addictions, but subtle addictions, like being addicted to looking at a screen. Now, these meditations, these Active meditations, dynamic meditation, kundalini meditation, they're designed to break that up, to tear away these patterns, to open up the subjective experience, and then to prepare you and to lull you into active meditation, uh, lull you into passive meditation. So kundalini gives you a taste of what that's, that's like. Kundalini has this arc of shaking and then dancing, and then you sit quietly, and then you lay down quietly. So this arc is to show you what it's like to go through 
all the actions. If if you say, here's the logic of it. Say you have an action or a behavior which you want to change. Now, initially, when we want to change a behavior or an action, we say, I, I will vow never to do that again. I promise not to do it. Under any circumstances, I will not do that action. And of course, that doesn't work because you can't watch yourself 24-7 because you haven't practiced watching yourself and the action sneaks up on you. It's not that you have the action. So you fall off and you do it. But here's the logic of the active meditations. Let's say this thing you want to do, the things you want to change, this behavior that you don't like, let's say, let's give you free range and let's make you do it. And let's make you really do it. In fact, you want to overdo it. You want to exaggerate it. You want to do it big time. And when you do it, you go into it consciously and you watch it and you be aware that you're choosing to do this. And in that way, you can learn what it's like to have the behavior without the behavior having you. So doing passive meditation straight off the bat for the modern man is not advised. And a meditation technique really needs to have, you basically want it to have an immediate effect. If you're doing a, med a meditation and after three days it hasn't changed something or opened up something for you, Either you're doing it wrong or it's not powerful enough. And these active meditations are designed for the modern man. They're designed, for, well, and I say man, I mean the women as well. So the modern human being. So that's, that's why, that's where these, these arcs and these shapes are coming from. Now, there was something else I wanted to add about these in relation to Vipassana. Because in a sense, dynamic meditation achieves what Vipassana achieves, but in much shorter time. So in Vipassana, if you do a 10-day course, there's, there's a handful of core components to it. One is watch the breath. Two is allow your emotions to come up or to let things come up. The surgery, as it might be called. And then three is the, the, the healing or the, the coming out of it and the celebration, the coming into a, 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 a peace. Now, dynamic meditation does that straight away. It, does all, it has all those three things because it has watch the breath. Well, you're forced to watch the breath because you have to do chaotic breathing in the first stage. And then you have your emotional release. You force yourself into it. And then you have your celebration. So these meditations are modern things which are for the modern human condition. And we really need it. We need something powerful, something that will, that will break you up, break apart your, 
your experience. So dynamic meditation, 6 a.m., kundalini meditation, 4 p.m., and then there is the, this is the third of the, the, the staples of the Osho meditation, Osho meditations, and this is the evening meeting. So this, these three is the three-prong approach. And if you do a course or something during the day, then it's dynamic in the morning, course all day, kundalini in the afternoon, evening meeting in the evening. So evening meeting is usually 6.30, 7 o'clock, something like this. And it's got quite a few stages, so we'll go through them. But it's the, the, the final one. And in a sense, the evening meeting has all, it has elements from all the Osho meditations, like dance and listening and gibberish and these sorts of things and stop exercises. So that, that stop in the fourth stage of dynamic meditation, there's a few of these in the evening meeting. So these are the sections for evening meeting. And this is to be done in the white robe. So it's a bit more formal. It's a bit more, uh, a bit more like we are enlightened sort of vibe going on. So evening meeting, you go in, set up your meditation stool or seat or mat or whatever. And then the music starts up and you've got 20 minutes of dance celebration. And it says a wild celebration of dance. This wildness, it's meant to be crazy. You're really meant to go for it. Dance with everything that you've got. And Osho says the the, the more total you go into that dance, the more you give it, the, the more quiet you will be when you get to the listening stage. Now, the music is there for supporting. It's a celebration sort of dancing drum beat. And I was even playing, <laughs> playing drums for some of these while I was there. So, the yeah, it's really fun to have everyone come together and, and to see them. And it's also non-interactive. So, you do stay in your own space. You don't call out, you don't make noises. But during this dance, there's a stop exercise, which is the drummer does this drum roll and hits the cymbal and the band stops. And at that point, everyone shouts out, Osho! And they call it out. Now, it's on the surface, it looks like, well, is he the cult leader or are we here to worship him? No, that's not what's going on. Originally, what this used to be was Yahoo. The mantra was Yahoo, like this, like a, like a yes, like a, a positive affirmation. But later he changed it to the word Osho, or his name Osho. And it's not about him. It's about just this sincerity to... To, to how do I put this into words? How do I dig into my own fight or my own push, my own determination? And there's this lecture series which Osho does where he talks about, where he's talking about Zorothustra. And one of the 
things Zarathustra was talking about was the lion's roar. So this jump and this ooh is meant to be what Zarathustra is talking about when he says the lion's roar, the real lion's roar. And, well, actually, this is a bit of a tangent, but we can go down this way, if you like, for a bit. The I remember listening to this. Uh, <laughs> we were sitting in evening meeting, listening to this lecture series, and Osho is talking about the lion's roar and what Zarathustra says about how it's sincere or is it really like do you really want it or is it a half-assed sort of roar is it a piss weak sort of you don't really mean that sort of roar and when he's talking on the recording someone yells out they scream and and Osho doesn't flinch he doesn't he doesn't have any sort of response to it. But, of course, everyone gets, like, they get the shit scared out of him. You know, we're all listening to this guy talk, and he's really, uh, you know, he's a really soft, slow, you know, sort of peaceful talking. And then all of a sudden there's this big, like, ah, something like this. And then he starts talking, but he's talking about the roar. And he's talking about, like, was it a sincere roar? And then everyone's sort of saying, well, is he talking about the guy that just did that or is he not? And and I want to have my determination to, to, to scream. Like, does that mean I should scream? And and it's this, this really, it's this head trip. It's this real tense moment, which is also very peaceful because it's very tense. And then he's talking about, Zorothustra and the lion roar and then it happened and it's just oh it's just a really uh it's a really beautiful moment it's a very very engaging part of that lecture series so that's in the Zorothustra the lion the camel the child and there's a few Osho lectures which are about Zorothustra. So that one is, is highly recommended and really something. So 20 minutes dance at the start of evening meeting. And there are these sudden hits where you jump and you have your stop. You put your hands in the air and you stop and you shout Osho. And that's the, the moment of silence. And then they keep dancing. Once the 20 minutes is over, you sit down in your meditation stool and you listen to some classical, some Indian classical music. And that happens three times. This, this, there are three sort of miniature pieces for this classical music. And they're also stop exercises because they end suddenly. They sort of build up and then they end. And you're meant to be there to listen and to check whether when it stops you're paying attention or not. Where is your mind? Are you alert? When it stops, are you silent? Now, if the music stops and you're just going, do 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 boop ba doo I wonder what I'm having for dinner. Oh, that young lady over there looks very pretty. Then then that's like, whoa, okay, this is your indication that you're not listening and you need to pay attention. So we've gone from physical dancing to stop exercises. 
and move down into meditation sitting, stop exercises for music listening. And then what happens is Osho comes out, sits on his chair. Well, he's already sitting on his chair, but then what happens is he he has a question or the discourse starts. Now, when he talks, the idea is to listen to the silence between his words. Many of his series are called Silence Shared in Words. And in a sense, when you're in the evening meeting, it doesn't matter what he's talking about. It doesn't matter what he's saying. And you'll notice that when he talks, he talks very slowly in some dis- well, it depends on which like which period of his career it's in, but a lot of them he talks really slowly and he'll get halfway through a sentence and he'll stop. And he'll have this big gap, this big silence. And you don't know what he's going to say next. What's the word? It's like he doesn't know what he's what word he's going to use. Has he had a lapse in his English? Has he had a lapse in his cognitive ability? No, he's spontaneously doing a stop exercise. And the good thing about the the following of the words and listening with the words is that you can work out whether you've been paying attention or not. You can work out whether you've been silent or not. Have you actually been listening to him? Is it his voice that's happening for you? Or are you just full of your own thoughts? You're full of your own opinions. Now, he talks about so many different things. There's such a wide range in terms of the content. Usually he's talking about meditation or and a mystic or some philosopher or a social commentary. I mean, it's, it's really hard to delve into. It's really hard to, to summarize the content of his, his words in just a few words because there's so many things he talked about. But w- one component of it is the, the, the pushing of the buttons. So he's going to stir you up. He's going to challenge your beliefs or he's going to say something. He's going to say a joke at the expense of someone you admire or he's going to be doing something and you'll have a reaction. And sometimes the, I mean, sometimes he does it just on purpose, just to stir people up. But the reaction The watching of the reaction is on you. So in this meditative meditative environment, you are to watch yourself. You are to watch whether you're empty. You're, You're to watch whether you're listening. And Amrita has a funny way of saying it, which is that you are to watch the listener. And if you, he, he tells this funny story, if you say, okay, we're going to go to this person, we're going to go and listen and, and we're going to go watch this person speak, then no one 
bats an eyelid. It's like, oh, well, you're going to watch listen, watch Osho speak. You're watching a talk. But if you say, oh, I'm going to watch the listener, then they say, what does that mean? What's that all about? How does that make sense? But that's the idea here. It's got nothing to do with Osho. It's to do with your meditative practice and your inner ability to be empty, to be silent. And if you're really empty and you're really following every word he's saying, when he gets to the certain point and he stops, you'll have that moment of silence and you'll be able to experience silence. Now, he did, at one point, he sort of famously, when he was developing this evening meeting process, he did, at one point, say that he had to keep talking because you were only, his followers were only pretending to meditate. And what that is, is that we basically have our minds going crazy We have this chatterbox in our head going on and on and on all day that we can't even have it shut up for just two seconds. And that's why he invented this, this talk stop technique and this flowing listening to the speaker and then stopping as a meditation. And the, the dancing and then the stop exercise and then the classical music and then stop exercise and then the talking and the stop exercise it's all meant to lull you into this this quietness this meditative space that draws you in and i feel there's probably a lot i could say about osho as a speaker and i mean i'll limit our conversation today just to the evening meeting meditation as a meditative structure we could talk about Osho the man another time but there's something really striking about the process and how it makes you it, it makes things meaningful because it makes thing it makes you alert and it's like listen it's it's almost like this elaborate oh listen up I mean, this is one way of taking it. The, the the meditative side of it is one side, but then the other side of it is, listen up, there's something here to say which is important. Can you get this? Like if you just, if you sit in the audience and then everything he says you have this, oh, that's not correct, or he's just making that up, or that's not true, or here's why that's false, or, and then, and then, you know, you've got all this resistance of, oh, how I, I don't believe this, this isn't right. Then, then nothing's going to sink in for you. Nothing's going to work for you. And half the trick, half the problem of learning anything is how do you make the difference? How do you get the difference between what someone knows and what you don't know? So that's what's so good about this, this process. And there is also another component, which is you're not allowed to cough or sneeze in the evening meeting. So if you cough or you, or you sneeze, there's going to be a doorman or, a, or an usher or someone, and they're going to come and tap you on the shoulder and then tell you to leave. So they'd have a different hall 
for the people who know, like if you know you've got a, a sniffle and a cough, then you can go to the different hall and that's no problem. They're not excluding you. But in the main hall, they want silence. And the idea there is that the coughing and the sneezing disturbs you. Now there is, well, I mean, let's be frank here. If, if someone demands, I mean, Osho demanded that everyone should be quiet when he spoke. It's just the man he was. It's just what he's like. We just have to accept that. And the kind of speaker that he was, you know, well, the kind of person that he was and the figure that he was, he can demand what he wants, really. And considering what he has to say, everyone really should be quiet. But, you know, that that's one side of it. The other side is it disturbs you and this thing of coughing and being the master of your body is if you tell yourself, no, I'm not going to cough, I'm not going to sneeze, and you really tell yourself this, then at the first time it happens, there will be a lot of resistance. Second time, less resistance. Third, fourth, fifth time, you'll find the ability to not cough or sneeze during evening meeting. And I went through this process because at first I was like, well, well, coughing is an involuntary action. You have no choice in it. But you'll be surprised. If you tell yourself you're not going to cough or sneeze, then you'll be able to stick with it and you really commit to sticking with it and being silent, then you can be silent. So that's one component of the evening meeting. So we've got 20 minutes dance, classical music, the discourse, which usually goes for an hour or an hour and a half, something like this. And then he's got the jokes. So he'll read out some jokes and you're meant to laugh. Even if you don't get the joke, you laugh. Laughter is part of the meditation. Now, the discourses are sometimes really heavy subjects. They're really serious. But Osho was big on non-seriousness. <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> oh, I just coughed. I'm going to get thrown out of evening meeting. Now, if the, yeah, so, yeah, the playfulness, what was I talking about? The jokes are for, yeah, so you have this heavy, I mean, not all the, not all the discourses are heavy, but sometimes they are. Coming back to a playfulness and a lightheartedness is one of the pinnacles or the points of all the Osho meditative active meditations and meditative therapies so he tells a couple of jokes we laugh even if we don't know what the joke means or if the recording quality is bad then we just laugh anyway and then we have gibberish so you talk gibberish 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 and gibberish is wow it's it's a thing it's a really powerful thing and really could have a whole conversation to it unto itself. But in a nutshell, usually your mind and your physical body are fused together. They're connected together. And also what you're what you're expressing. So your expression is 
all all sort of just this one happening at once. When you do gibberish, your mind and your your mouth, which is your body movement, becomes separated because you're making these movements and these noises with your mouth, but your mind is doing something else. And then you've got your expression. So you might express something. Say you're feeling angry or frustrated. You might express something, but not in words. And usually the mind has to say, well, this is how it is. And this expression is real. But if you do it in gibberish, then the mind gets separated from it. The expression gets separated from the mind process. And when you do the gibberish and you do it at length and you go through it and you really express yourself, then you can have this moment where your mind stops. And of course, there is a stop at the end of the the gibberish section. It stops and then you're stuck there with the expression and you see it and it's yours. You have to own it. You can't, you can't throw it onto someone else. You can't blame it on someone else. And your mind can't hide it from you. It can't explain it away from you. It hasn't got a story to go with it. Because it's pure expression. Now, gibberish is a deeper thing that we can talk about at length. And even I'm thinking to do some demonstration of gibberish further down the track. There's also this course called No Mind, which I've talked about briefly before. Uh, That has gibberish in it. And then there's also the gibberish meditation. So there's an active meditation where there are a few different sections where gibberish is involved. So there's the gibberish. And then the next stage of evening meeting is the let go. So there's a drum beat. Someone hits the drum. Boom, and you die. You fall down flat on the floor and you die. You let go as if it is your end. And then there's this Osho guided, it's sort of a small guided meditation of releasing yourself and stepping back into the oneness of existence. You experience the what we call the Buddha experience, or you become a one Buddha. The whole consciousness melts all together. And in different lecture series, Osho guides it in different ways, but it's really a personal it's really a personal journey. And the let go meditation is also a I mean, it's like stop exercises and dance and gibberish. They're, they're deeper things within the, of themselves. And it's just that here he's decided to string this together in this order. And the let go, after all the different parts, it's all been building to that moment. So you've been able to have your stop exercises, go into your silence have your laughter, have your gibberish, differentiate the parts of your being, and then die and let go. And that's the peak of evening meeting. 
And then, of course, the last stage is there's a drumbeat. You come back to life. You sit for a few moments to bring what you've learnt in the let go back to where you are. And then Osho says, okay, Manisha, can we celebrate the 10,000 Buddhas? And she says, yes, Osho. And then everyone dances and there's a celebration. And the end dance is only a short one. It's usually only four or five minutes long. So they, they start and they end with dancing. So that's evening meeting. And yeah, there's a lot of stages to that. What is it? So 20 minutes dance, sitting with classical music, discourse, jokes, gibberish, let go, dance. What's that? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, like seven or eight. I, I don't know. Something like that. Seven or eight sections. And you do it in a big hall with everyone. So it's easy to know what, what stage comes after what. So, yeah. And then the other, like the other big one is work as meditation. So you can go, if you're studying these meditations at a resort or an ashram, you work from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Seven days a week. And if you combine that with dynamic meditation, 6 a.m., Kundalini, 4 p.m., evening meeting, 6.30, you have a full day of active meditation. And there were people that were there that were doing this every single day. And if you, if you really want to dig deep, and there was a time even when I was doing this, there was a period when I did this for, uh, how long would it have been for? It would have been, I mean, I probably did swimming instead of kundalini when I was working there. So if you replace that, then it would have been like three weeks, doing this for three weeks straight. And I sort of did it on and off as well. So I did a variety of things. I also did morning classes. So you, there's one, there was one lady there who'd do this, plus she would do the nighttime meditation at 9.30 at night after evening meeting, and also the, the passive meditation between dynamic meditation and work. So you've got, what's that, like one, two, three, four, five... That's like, a, that's like 12 hours a day or more of active meditation. And you'd think that they'd be exhausted, but it's just like trying to do dynamic meditation every day. After a certain point, the energy switches. And this lady who was doing this, she did it every single day for months. And every time I saw her, she had a spring in her step. She'd walk pretty fast. Sometimes she'd have to run to get to the different meditations on time. Like if one goes over time, then you really got to get there. It might be that you're running around constantly, nonstop. And she was an older lady too. And, and she just she had the spark. She had the, the look, the meditator's glow. You know what the meditator's glow is? Do you know how to see that in someone? It's like every time I looked at her, she had this smile and this twinkle in her eye. 
this beautiful thing. So that as a map or a blueprint for hardcore transformative practice is a really deep way to get freaky and for really to have things change fast. You do this process, you do this sort of schedule for 10 days in a row and so many things are going to open up for you. So many things will change. And it's really hard to quantify them because they're all personal. It's to do with your mind. It's to do with your feelings. It's to do with your body. Everyone responds differently in different ways to these things. So it really is amazing to have these these core Osho meditations. Now, these are only the core ones. There's probably... Now, they, they run every day if you go to an Osho resort. And then the other one that happens every day is Nada Brahma. So Nada Brahma is 30 minutes of humming, 15 minutes of hand energy circles, and then 15 minutes of lay down. And that's to do with energy as well, but it's a lot more passive. You're not moving so much. And then another one is Vipassana. So Osho he sort of tried to turn Vipassana into an active meditation. I mean, it's still a passive meditation, but it's just two stages. So 45 minutes of sitting, watching the breath, and then 15 minutes of walking, uh, conscious walking. So in a sense, he's turned it into a, a, a an active meditation, but it's it's not the... I feel he's not got the point of Vipassana. He hasn't he doesn't bring something new to Vipassana. He actually dilutes it down and it loses something. Vipassana as a process works in and of itself and it needs to stay pure. I am a Vipassana purist in a sense. Don't mess with Vipassana because it works well how it works. And Osho has sort of just He's just taken the name, really. He hasn't... Vipassana meditation for Osho is not really Vipassana. It's not actually what Vipassana is. So he's just taken the name and some of the ideas. And a lot of these meditations, well, some of these meditations, if you go back to the original form of it or where he's taken it, like from Sufism or from Buddhism or from these sorts of things, these sorts of traditions, then you can see that He's really just modernizing it. And in some cases, it's better. And then in other cases, like in Vipassana, there's still more to be learned. So you can't learn... You can't learn everything there is to know about... uh, You can't learn everything there is to know about meditation just by studying Osho active meditations. So, but, you know, it does give a good way. So... Yeah, that's what I'll say. I mean, we could talk about Vipassana at another time. And I have spoken about that before. I've got, a, I've got an episode where I share my personal experiences of Vipassana, of a 10-day Vipassana retreat. So some of the other meditations that Osho has. 
One is whirling meditation, which involves a centering circling. Another one is no dimensions meditations. So that's also a centering exercise and that involves this, this hand movement where you push out and then you step. It's sort of like a, a synchronized dance. It's like a synchronized dance movement and you do that in coordination with everyone in the room. And that one really does something because the music and the beat and the breathing happens at a tempo which slowly increases. And it's just complicated enough that you have to concentrate on it. So it's not instructions which are so difficult that it's very hard to do. It's actually very easy to do. But it's not so easy that you can just tune out and go thinking about other things. You have to remain present with your body. So no dimensions is really good for remaining present with how it feels to be in your body. And that's a very valuable thing to learn. That's quite rare that you have something where you have to always be concentrating on what it what it's like to to be in your feeling or to feel what it is to be you. So often we can get lost in thought and just carried away with ideas or thoughts or thinking. Then there is the mandala meditation. So that has an eye movement in it. And I've really enjoyed that one a lot of times. That's also got running on the spot as an energy building thing. So sort of like the hoo jumping, the mandala running on the spot builds up the energy. And then you use that in different ways. It's channeled throughout the other sections. Then there's also Gorashanka meditation. So that has this big breathing, this breathing in the mouth section. And also a it uses a strobe light. So you look at this light and it does things for your neurology. And then there's also chakra sounds meditation. And sort of the, I guess the cousin of that is chakra breathing meditation. So that's to do with vibrations in different parts of the body and there's music that goes along with those to help uh, put you in touch with the different vibrations in the different part of the body and there's also the Nataraj which is a dancing meditation the the dancing thing I mean we'll, we'll skip over it here but there's there's a lot to learn from the different kinds of dancing. If you're doing all of these Osho active meditations and you're trying them all out, one thing you'll notice is that, well, for one, the instructions for dancing are slightly different in each one. And then how you dance is different for each one. So you don't have just one dance. You have multiple dances. And then there is also Mahamundra meditation. And that's more like a prayer meditation. It's more like an existential prayer movement. And then there's golden light meditation. That's more of a... Well, golden light meditation isn't an active meditation. It's, a, it's more like a passive meditation because it's a visualization. So maybe that should go in the category of Osho passive meditations.
Then there is yes-no meditation. And that's basically what it is. And this one was really fun to do. So yes-no meditation, you, you walk around the room saying no, no. And you keep calling it out. And you, if you're doing it in a group, you're, you're talking to, you're saying it to people's faces and you start yelling and rah, rah, you, you get into the feeling of no. You say no, and you have the the essence coming through you of what it means to be no, and to have that in you. And then, of course, you turn around and you say yes, yes, and you're talking to people, you're making eye contact with people, you're saying it straight to you, and they're saying it to you, they're saying yes to you. So... That really, like, can you, can you know what yes as an attitude is? So there's yes, the word, but then there's yes, the attitude. And this meditation puts you in, in contact with that. And, and since I did this meditation, since I've done it a few times, I've been able to see it in other people as well, not even when they're just not even when they say yes or no. So the words yes and no, they're just the the simple expressions of the attitudes. When someone has a yes attitude, they might not even be saying yes. It's just a, it's sort of a willingness. It's a, it, how, suge- how susceptible are you to suggestibility, we could say. Like, if I suggest an idea to you, are you open to it? If we decide to do something, if we want to do something, how much are you likely to, to get enthusiastic about it? These, these sorts of things. So, yes, no meditation. It's probably one of my favorites. And, and we really got into it. Like, when we say the no meditation, it's like, you know, the music is the, the, the drum beat hitting the drum. And I even got to play the drum for one of them. So there's something very powerful about being in a room with a bunch of people banging a drum and we're all shouting no. There's a real, a real aliveness to that. Like, no, 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 no. You know, one guy comes up to me and he even says, fuck no, like this, like, Ugh. and then, of course, the, the, the yes, well, that was. There were some tender moments there. And there's there's actually variations on yes as well, because you can say, you know, I mean, I'm giving you the, the basic version of these meditations. There are more details to them, like yes, you can go around saying yes to others, and then you can look in the mirror and you can say yes to yourself. You can say yes, and you can use your name. One of the versions even has your name. So you walk around saying, yes, Dosta. Yes, Dosta. Well, don't say that because that's my name. <laughs> but I would say, yes, Dosta. So that's yes, no meditation. And then there's also darkness meditation. That's more of a passive one as well. There's also laughter meditation. So that's, that's laughter as put into other sections, which is dancing in silence. And then there's also laughing drum celebration. Wait, laughing drum dance, I think it's called. And that's another one with dance and stop exercises and the music supports it. 
So, yeah, and there's there are many others that I've I've missed out. These are just the more common ones, the most common ones. I believe there's a book called I, I forgot what it's called, Meditation Inc. Something like that. And that's the awareness techniques and all these, or the, the path of meditation, actually, I think it's called. I think there's two. One's, one's awareness techniques and one's active meditations or Osho meditations. So if you can correct me on this, pull me up on it. But I believe Meditation Inc. is the awareness techniques and the path of meditation is all these ones that we're talking about today and others. Yeah, so there's a lot there. There's a lot to get into. And it's hard to really illustrate how powerful these are because they get at they get at behavior. They get at sexual energy. They get at your thoughts. They get at your ability to witness. They get at your dancing energy. They get at your emotions, your respiratory system. I think I already said that. <laughs> but th- these are these are core parts of your being. You will f- and you will feel different. You'll feel like a different person and you'll be living at a pace where things move faster and because they move faster, it's easier for you to see them. Usually if we get angry or we get sad or we get really serious or something happens in our day, we don't see it until later might be like, wow, yesterday I was really sad. Yesterday I got really angry. We don't really have the time to sit back and reflect. And it's only if we're lucky enough to sit and reflect that we can notice these things. But if you let them happen or you make them happen in a short space of time, and you do have those few minutes at the end of silence, And you can really change around your inner world. And this stuff was developed by some highly experienced meditators. It was experimented with... Well, I mean, Osho, to his credit, it's his work. And he was doing this development and working these things out from a a wide range and a wide depth of knowledge and experience. And it really is something to to pay attention to. It's something that can open you up. Say to yourself now, at some point, I'm going to try these. At some point in my life, I'm going to do these. Whether you go to an Osho commune to try them or not, or you can... there's. I mean, there's a good chance that there are Osho festivals in your city. There are these little festivals that happen every now and then. It might be Enlightenment Day or Death Day. So look it up for your local city. You can always find someone together with. 
and even you can try them at home yourself. Now, I believe you can download the music somewhere. If you track it down, I don't know where, but there will be a way to, to get the supporting music of the meditations. So do that if you're going to do it. And really say to yourself, look, I really want to try this. Because chances are, if you're, if you're into meditation and you're trying different things, what you really want is a big hit. You want a peak experience. You want a breakthrough. And this is your quickfire way to it. This is the way to do it. This is the thing. This is the, the guaranteed way, guaranteed to work. If you do these, there's, there's no way about it. Something will happen. Now, at the, at the resort, the Osho International Meditation Resort, every month they have this, what they call the meditation intensive. And when they do that, it's three days long and they do every single meditation every day. That means 6 a.m. dynamic meditation, 9 o'clock chakra sounds, 10.30 vipassana, 12 o'clock no dimensions meditation, 2.30 nada brahma, 4 o'clock kundalini, evening meeting, and then nighttime meditation might be darkness meditation or gorashanka meditation. Now, after three days of that, and there's, there's all different ones. You might do a different one at 12 o'clock each day or a different one at 9 o'clock. After three days of that, it, it's impossible. It's, it's real. Like, I can't see how anyone could do that and not have something shift for them. There's no way you could go through that and not have it blatantly obvious to you what the effect is and what is starting to happen. Now, granted, it is just a start. It might just be something small. It might just be a, a relatively minor shift. But then also there's the chance that it is a major shift. It is a massive shift. And half the thing about shifts are, or breakthroughs are, is that you need to learn what they are because you don't even know what that is. You're trying to learn something that can't be put into words. So much we've talked about the beyond or the things that can't be put into words or higher values or the personal experience. All these things that we always talk about on this podcast, on this channel, this is how you actually get at that. This is how it happens. This is designed specifically to put you in touch with that. And it's the most modern, most cutting edge, most advanced stuff that I have ever found. This is not to be taken lightly. It's to be very, well, <laughs> see, that's, see, that's one of the funny things about how, how powerful it is because it's, it's not serious. <laughs> it's so advanced that it's gone full circle. So many meditations are about being serious and about really digging yourself in, whereas with, with these ones, it's a little bit different. So 
Yeah, whew, there's a lot there. This is a long episode. Sometimes I wonder if these episodes are too dense and I should break them into a bit more of a series. And maybe I'll do that uh, for some other techniques where there's a lot to them because there's still avenues within, even within this, there are avenues we didn't fully explore like gibberish or the sexual energy or the stop exercises or dance or even breathing exercises. You know, right there, there's five different things that have these these vast amounts of knowledge to them and these conceptual understandings and practices and different ins and outs and experiences. There's just so much there. There's just so much to learn, so much to find. And it's all such such juicy stuff. It's so exciting. Oh, I just... Oh, I can't wait till I do dynamic meditation again. Oh, it's going to give me so much. I just love it. Oof. Okay, so let's wrap it up. And if you've stayed with me this far, <laughs> you've got a long attention span, maybe now slightly longer. And as always, we finish with sitting silently for a few minutes. So if it's comfortable for you to do so, stop what you're doing. Close your eyes, be still, and just have a few moments to meditate and let these words dissolve and bubble around for a bit so that you can come back to yourself. And that's all I have to say for now. <laughs>